0: Danny, here we are, 2017. Yes, here we are. This will be the first episode of 2017. Yes, it will be. Uh, and we're about, what, four days into it? Ten days. What date is it so? The 11th. I don't know. We're 11 days into 2017. Yes. How do you think is going so far? Um, so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of been... You know, switched off from the world. I've been trying to keep yes. off um, social media and, uh, and and trying not to, to watch the news too much. Right, but then you know I end up getting bored and then going onto YouTube and there's all kinds of
1: juicy things on <laughs> to, YouTube to that you fuel can seek you. your teeth into. Yeah, to fuel your thoughts and conspiracies. What conspiracy? <laughs> now, okay. The
0: term conspiracy theory. What does it mean? <laughs> are we going to define it? Because it, does it mean it's uh, non-mainstream media kind of
1: content, N- therefore it can't be, I don't know, easily verified. What is the? I think of conspiracy theories as being the same mechanism of thought that fuels things like religion. It's right. like God of the gaps. You know, there's there's an idea we don't have all the answers, and so we project an answer, and then we work backwards to find evidence to prove our our idea to be true. Right. so rather than following evidence which is a scientific approach yeah. we start with the idea and work backwards which so is what religion's based on confirmation bias yeah. Yeah. yeah if someone wants to say that 9-11 was rigged by the US government they start with the idea and then they look for evidence to try and prove their idea to me that's a conspiracy theory way of thinking right okay and then not having any sort of science to back it up well it just means they might be right they might be wrong but no one will ever know because <laughs> they can't prove it yeah
0: okay because yeah. a, a lot of from what I understand people call conspiracy theories is that stuff that's not that's so left of what your um, current understanding is of the way the world operates or right. or the the mainstream news media if you like but you know I think people more and more and I don't you, we do have that fake news kind of stuff that's yeah. coming through apparently they're calling it fake news now that fueled a lot of um, what happened in the U.S. Yeah, elections, yeah. where people were looking at um, Hillary Clinton's team, and right. there were all these statistics that came out of fucking nowhere. And
1: you know? now Facebook's been under fire. Have to, they? Well, yeah, um, Mark Zuckerberg has been under fire because oh, really? now, now there's the uh, the big question mark in the news has been, you know, are, are they responsible, and how can they actually manage the level of nonsense that's on Facebook? Right. When it's not up to them who posts what, but at the same time they they potentially should have to answer for that. So it's a really interesting debate. But then you'll get um, channels like YouTube
0: uh, and I guess Facebook too who have these, I don't know, um, really opaque, you can't see into what their um, terms of service or... or are that you're violating, so they can strike you off or right. shut down your YouTube channel because you've violated some sort of term of service that yeah.
1: is in the small print of the you know that everyone agrees yeah. to. I've seen that happen. I, I remember seeing um, Lee Do You know that guy, that yeah. bass, the famous yeah, yeah. bass player. Yep, um, um, Leland Sklar. Yeah, I think I'm thinking goes by Lee too. Lee, oh, he goes mean, by Lee to his friends. Though. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So You're on a first so, name. Yeah. Basis. Of course. Yeah. Okay. I'm friends, friends with him on Facebook, <laughs> and he's hali- and he's hilarious. But he got suspended. I remember. For I think doing that what? was last year. Uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember. I think he. Showed a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually can't remember. It might have been something he said because uh, he rants quite a bit about right. politics and stuff. Can't remember if it was that or was something else. Um, but anyway, he, I just remember him, him being suspended for a week or two and he, he announced that he was about to be struck because he must have got a, a warning or something. A violation warning. Yeah. And
0: I think if you if you have three strikes, that's it, you're out. Right. Um, yeah. the, the, the big news story that's... But the other thing too is you watch something on YouTube once and then all of a sudden that's your preference and all these other stories come up about the same yeah. thing you don't really have a you know it's
1: not so an it open... starts to fuel if someone's chasing an idea yeah. they can end up down a rabbit hole immersed yes you know, so in my ideas. rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, trying to stay off social media f- for a while and
0: also um, I guess what you would deem mainstream media right um, and there's nothing on television to watch Netflix I've watched pretty much everything on there yeah um, I-, I came across a thing called Pizzagate <laughs> which is okay. um, have you heard no yeah it's a pretty dire kind of um, story in a rabbit hole to get sort of stuck down but then suddenly you start seeing all of these other things popping up about Pizzagate yeah and um, it has to do with satanic rituals that are happening within the Hillary Clinton camp and all that kind of stuff I see, of course child yeah. sacrifice and a, sure. um, yeah. you know a mass pedoph- pedophilia-, pedophilia ring right that's
1: um, invaded Washington right um in the higher echelons of that kind of elite group. Is the fact that you're talking about this the reason why we're being surrounded by a helicopter at the moment? So it's <laughs> circling our heads ever it since we pressed record. Very well be. It is a black helicopter. Can you see it? No, I'm just saying that for effect. i oh, just saying that for effect.
0: <laughs> 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 but it does tend to be circling where we are. We get that black helicopter circling quite a bit in Mount Eden. Do you? Yeah. I live in South Auckland, and uh, yes, we get it quite often out there, <laughs> Right, I must say.
1: <laughs> Unless maybe there's more than one. I, I mean, they'd have to be wouldn't they? One helicopter for the whole city? That can't be right, can it? Well, who knows? The police are so understaffed and under, uh, yeah, financed and what have you. But you're saying about Hillary and her pedophilia? Oh ring. Yeah, so
0: her, um, <laughs> the uh, the satanic kind of um, cult that's apparently in the, in the the inner circle of the Hillary Clinton camp, right? A guy by the name of John Podesta, uh-huh. who is uh, her or was her. Um, campaign chairperson for, f- and and he did the same for Barack Obama and um, and Bill Clinton as well. Yeah, to run her campaign, but um, the WikiLeaks saga, and this this part of it is all kind of true. When his WikiLeaks got out, and actually it wasn't that they're saying it was hacked by the Russians or whatever, but. It's likely it was just some sort of Joe Schmo trying their thing or some hacker, local, I guess, or some American hacker because his password was password right, on his um, <laughs> Gmail account. So they broke in and stole all of his Gmail, all of his um, emails, and um, there were some really weird kind of references to um, code words you know, to do with pizza uh, in there and um, oh, different kind of things. So this is where it's kind of come from, the Pizzagate right. thing. They've interpreted things. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Now, now they say that that's a that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, and yet this guy that he's been in contact with, who owns a pizza parlor in in Washington D.C., is one of the the forty nine or the fifty one of the fifty most powerful people in Washington. Okay, I would have thought there would be a lot more powerful people in Washington than a guy who owns a pizza place Yeah, but I, um,
1: I, I'm sort of going with this. I, don't, I Yeah, look it up, PizzaGate. <laughs> right. Um, um.
0: So that part's true too. The GQ magazine mm. website. He is one of the top fifty um, most powerful people. But he, um, some of the dodgy things that come up on this website from Pizza Comet, Ping Pong, or whatever it is. Pizza <laughs> is the name of the place. So that's what I've been uh, embroiled in. In the last couple of th- like see. these, and there's one particular guy on um on the YouTubes. Uh, who has had his? Um, I think maybe his first or second violation from YouTube, yeah. and it's just because he's been reporting on this thing. Um, they right. say so. You know, there's a kind of there is
1: some censorship going on there, which is where well, we started with this conversation. Yeah, and and you know, I um, quite a few years ago, actually, I started thinking about about the the mind as something to invest in. Mm. Um, I find it quite interesting that we put so much emphasis especially in New Zealand culture we put so much emphasis in physical health you know and eating right and uh, staying fit and all that kind of stuff yeah. But we put very little conversational thought into the the you know our minds the health, health of your mind uh, the yeah. health of your mind yeah and I'm yeah. not talking about you know m- having actual psychological issues or that sort of thing I'm talking about um, making sure the content that goes in is quality you know right and, yeah. and uh, and this this whole thought process for me actually started a very, very long time ago when I first got the album Fight For Your Mind by Ben Harper, that album oh, yeah. from, I guess, in the mid-90s somewhere, whenever mm. that came out. Um, and the, the name of the album, Fight For Your Mind, it just resonated with me, and I just thought, what an interesting idea. And ever since, I've I've tried to treat my mind the same way I would treat my diet, let's say. Like, I if I yeah. constantly eat shit then I'm going to end up out of shape physically or whatever. I'm going to pay for it. Same thing with the mind. So I've always thought, well, um, it's just, and it's not a rule I impose on anybody else. It's more like a self-imposed thing, Mm. but I'll I'll just make sure that I'm reading the right stuff or at least verified stuff, you know, uh, um, reading good books. I don't, I've never gotten into gossip or rumors. Now that social media is so prominent, which of course it wasn't back then, but now that it is, if I see a story on Facebook that looks like it could be true and it looks important, mm. um, before I let myself give it any thought, I'll go and look in more reliable sources to see if it's showing up. What's a more reliable source? Well, that's that's a good question because it's still very hard. I mean, there, re, there really probably isn't one. Um, yeah. But I'll I'll go and look at like the BBC, um, the C, you know CNN, Al Jazeera, just to sort of screen a few of them to see what who's saying what. Right. If there's a supposedly big story and it's not showing up on those other ones, then it's probably not real. If it is right. showing up on those other ones, then yeah. I still take it with a lot of you know a big pinch of salt. And I'm and I just try I just try to take everything from a I try to step back from everything. So it, it, do you think though um what they're not saying is just as important as what they are yeah. saying? Yeah. And I never believe anything really. I mean, it, right. it, which may sound cynical, but I I think it's just realistic because to, just, just, I mean, you know, if I read something on the BBC, I'm not going to just automatically believe it's true. Right, sure. I think that's foolish. Yeah, you know, in a world full of politics and and full of agendas and money and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, saying that no one's genuine or nothing's real, but I just, it's very hard to know these days. So I'd rather just take a step back from things. And prioritize wisdom over um, sensation. Yeah, because you're right. Um, uh, there is a lot of sensationalism going around, yeah. and it's hard to tell what to yeah. discern. You know what's
0: what's what and what's yeah. not. Exactly. Um, one thing I heard about this morning, just before coming over here, is you know they're talking about this Russian involvement in um, Donald Trump's mm. election, and uh, and how he seems so really sort of chummy towards the Russians and Vladimir Putin in particular. Yeah. Uh, and then now there's a, a thing going around that within intelligence circles, if you can call them in inverted commas, in, <laughs> in the United States about how the Russians have something on on um, Donald Trump. Right. And it's been, um, you know, Obama's been briefed about it and all of the top. FBI and CIA have been briefed about this thing that the Russians have, some sort of, I don't know, and that it may be, and I, I guess they're alluding to that he may be being controlled because of right. this information, either... Um, or at least leveraged. Leveraged yeah. in some way, right? Yeah. And it would be easy to say, well, that's just a conspiracy theory, but, I mean, seeing as you mentioned CNN, it was CNN who bought that, I guess, to light, and I guess it's in the Herald, but then the Herald, you can't
1: really... I, don't I mean, know. none none of them you can fully trust. I think it's just a matter of understanding the system. It's just a world full of people crying wolf, you know. And so, yeah. and so, um, I just think that you know it's important to. To be able to just step back and, and just go, okay well maybe maybe we can't know the answers to everything, I think that's again this mechanism that I see as being the same as religion, starting with an idea and working backwards, um, yeah. r- religion is fueled by you know the the fear of meaninglessness, yeah. the fear of um, what happens when we die, the mystery that we we, we probably will never figure that out, you know um, yeah. exactly I mean mm-hmm. I think most people and the scientific community think that we just go nowhere, which is what I think. But, but, but how do you prove that? You know? Um, so we, we build DMT God of the gaps, you know? Yeah. And, and I think, um, it's okay to to be okay with not knowing some things is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It kind of goes to that, that saying that, you know, God invented man and then man returned the favor kind of thing (laughs) in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah no it's really interesting it's it's kind of interesting some of these things you like you say you get down a rabbit hole and you can get lost mm. quite quickly um and it seems so out there and salacious that it would be really difficult to believe it but if right. it's you
1: know so now i've got friends that get off on it they 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 seem to <laughs> literally they, they, they i mean it seems that way yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like they they get a real rush you know, yeah. out of like, did you know and have you heard and all that kind of stuff, right? Where have I- you
0: heard about Jesus Christ?
1: That- <laughs> no, oh no, I mean, I mean more about conspiracy know, theories, saying, yeah, yeah. But, there's but the same sort of fervor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my passion, one of my passions, is clarity. I think it's fascinating. I think, yeah. I think perspective and clarity is far more interesting than sensationalism. Yeah, you know, I'd rather get to the bottom of things, and maybe it's a process that that has. Um, you know stood out to me when it comes to running a business and, and that sort of thing. Mm. It's so easy to get distracted or um, to focus on the wrong things or to be impressed for the wrong reasons in business. And one of the great examples of that is people talking about turnover. Mm-hmm. And there's a great saying that turnover is vanity and profit is sanity, you know, <laughs> because because people brag quite often about turnover, yeah, and it's really a meaningless number. It's, yeah. it's relative to the business. It, has, it doesn't make any how comment about how much how door. much money is going out the door exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I personally strongly believe that it's very important in in you know business and in plenty of other places to really pursue clarity. Like, let's really get to the bottom of this and understand mm-hmm. things. You know,
0: yeah. So this uh, being the first episode of 2017, last year we started this podcast, or 2016, in about, I don't know, was it?
1: Yeah, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah. um, it must have been March,
0: fe- March February, or April March, April, or or something there, like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and we started that conversation with just the two of us talking about yeah, uh, our early Why did we um, do that again? Careers. I think it's because we didn't have any guests at the time <laughs> confirmed. True. We, um, but just so case of getting the ball rolling, I think. Yeah, and also yeah. just kind of setting the scene a little bit. Yeah, about what we what this is about. Yeah, and uh, why we're doing it. So we thought we'd continue that. Yeah, and, and so this episode is, is us again. Yes, <laughs> just talking about ourselves. Right. Yeah, and I think you know um, we have we just we were commenting before we start we, before we press record about how we seem to. have getting better at this in terms of the mm. first one listening back to it cringe have you listened back of, to any no, early ones no, yeah no, but shit, no, i was I never, telling you that i did though yeah
1: yeah i just skimmed through it i, did, I couldn't take it actually right <laughs> yeah. no it's fine i mean I, I think we're both probably of of the similar mind where you where you're constantly working to improve what you do yeah and uh so you know you'd go and listen to something you did a year ago i'm the same with recordings i've done and very you know things like that yeah yeah you know you just hear it and go there yeah exactly yeah. right <laughs> and
0: so many lessons learned along the way yep. and um and so many quality guests uh, also. So, I mean, we're going to continue that this year. This is what we're wanting to um, keep going and get some quality people in and mm. we've got a few lined up. Um, but what we do want is for our audience and our, our little community that we're building up here to be a part of it more yep. so, um, more actively. Um, so we're inviting people
1: to um, have input. Yeah, which they are already, but would like more of it. Yeah. Um, we've had We've had guests... Uh, suggesting other guests, we've had um, listeners suggesting guests, which is brilliant, yeah. and we've actually taken them really seriously and gone on to book people. And yes, um, and people commenting on articles and you know, or or, or adding links and stuff, you know, to yep. our social media based on things we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, which is which is awesome. But I think it's also um, probably quite fitting that we we pick up the conversation we started a year ago. Yeah. B- because here we are talking to guests and making a lot of big statements about the music industry mm-hmm. and the chances are some of the people listening to us haven't the faintest idea who we are. <laughs> so, yeah, or what we've ever done. Yeah, or we'll do. what, yeah what qualifies our opinions. Yeah, so,
0: <laughs> I, I think just having an opinion qualifies you to be able to comment. I mean, it's all, it's all opinion, isn't
1: it? It's all just our well, basic experience. And um, You're free to have opinions, but I think it's also um, there's something to be said about experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know we we have a lot of similar experience, but we also have um, some different experiences.
0: Mm-hmm. So where we left off, I think we just got to the start of um, where Op Shop was starting, but yes. also your uh, your career early on and where you you came to it. We didn't really finish off there. The last time we rambled on for
1: what an hour and a half. Yeah, so we're going to make this a four-hour. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't really get very far with either of us. No, I think, so I think that's part of the learning process of of this is learning to. But the intention was probably always to come back and do do yeah, another do a part one. Part two. In well, this. in fact, we did do a part two, and it yes. was even worse, so we didn't release it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there was
1: a technical issue because we were technically shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember rambling for quite a while about a particularly bad ex-girlfriend I had. <laughs> <laughs> Which now doesn't seem relevant at all, but right. Yeah. Okay, but do you yeah.
0: think those kind of experiences fuel your um, your creative output? In of course, way? absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, every I think every single moment of your life affects your creativity, yeah, it's filtered in some way, right? Yeah, yeah. I often think about a particular, and I think I talked about this on the this that first episode we did. I, mm-hmm. um, I talked about when I was camping and a friend had a guitar and he played "Paint It Black" by the Stones, and that was a moment that that focused my ambition that i thought i want to do that too right and um i often find myself wondering what would have happened if that moment hadn't happened yeah i I kind of assumed that i would have ended up playing anyway like something else you know what i mean that that would have been replaced by something else but um it's one of those things isn't it that you kind of look back at these these moments in your life and you think how would things have worked out if yeah that one day hadn't played out that way you
0: know but I think for for me it was um i may i don't can't even remember what we said in the last one, so I'm just gonna say it again if I, if yeah. I have repeated it mm-hmm. I apologize but i um the inciting moment for me if you like was when I was I had just learned this new kind of drum beat and I was about thirteen years old in the rehearsal room at high school yeah my first year at high school didn't really um you know have a lot of other stuff going on I wasn't into sports right I was kind of I would say average academically. I never really studied hard, mm-hmm. so I w- used to go to the music room in the morning before school started because it was open, and then stay after school yep. until I got kicked out by the cleaners. And lunchtimes, and lunchtimes, and so I'd be playing this beat and um, this new thing that I thought was amazing. I just—that's the only thing I practiced over and over and over and over again. Right. And um, do I you remember what the beat was? It was a pretty straightforward rock beat, I think. Yep. And then my music teacher or the music head of department came through and. And I think he was just closing up um, the music um, uh, suite. And he said, look, um, you yeah, know, sounding really good. You're doing really well. Do you want to come along and play in the high school big band or, or be a part of that um, tomorrow morning? It's here, be here at nine o'clock. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then from that point on, so we did one rehearsal at nine o'clock in the morning um And and it was a swing big band. Oh, yeah. And the beat I was playing was a rock beat.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So I couldn't swing at all. I didn't have a clue. But at least I kind of got through the rehearsals and then um, tried to play along and we had an assembly gig. Oh, and Bo Runga was a part of the band. Um, oh, yeah. She was the singer. Yep. And I was trying really hard to keep up with the band or whatever and she was standing next to me trying to get me, teach me how to swing and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it really was a disaster. But... What I, I guess the point I was getting to was that it, it sort of was that spark to oh, I want to do that again. That right. was awesome, you know. Actually, first time ever playing with a band. Yeah, yeah. And there was like twenty odd people in the band it remi- in front it, of an audience.
1: It reminds me of an audition I went to um, a number of years ago, where one of the songs that I had to play was Crazy Little Thing by Queen. Oh yeah, and, um, it's and, a trip and which of FLA. which of course is a swing. Yeah. And apparently the guitarist that that auditioned before me didn't know how to swing and played it straight. Oh no! <laughs> so you got the gig from. Just being well, I got the I did get the gig but I think I got the gig for a few reasons but um right. but I just thought that was really really funny like just how can you play music and not know how to swing Yeah. yeah. Well I guess
0: it's just that one of those things for me as a 13 year old never even
1: Oh yeah heard as a it. 13 year old but yeah. this I mean this guitarist that I that I followed I I think he might have been like mid 20s Right. You right. know what I mean so anyway yeah. this is yeah.
0: It's probably not one of those it's not an easy thing to do swing um it's yeah, it took a bit of bit of getting used to for me. I think.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you say that. I, I mean, I guess I guess that's a fair point. I mean, I um, I remember the first time I sat at a drum kit, which was when I was twelve, and I just couldn't make sense of it. Yeah, um, I knew what was, I knew what a drum beat was supposed to be built like. You know, I had yeah. a concept of it, but I just couldn't coordinate it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I tried again about a year later, and then I could play. It just seemed, I I guess I must have got my coordination improved in that year um and i and i could play drums and i did actually play drums for many years as a teenager and play for different bands and things even though i was a, i was first and foremost a guitarist you know mm-hmm. um and but i i ended up having this you know huge love affair with rhythm i mean to me rhythm is the most interesting part of music right. for me personally yeah. um and i i think we've said many times on different episodes mm-hmm. well i've said that um i'm a far bigger fan of drummers than i am of guitar players mm. Mm. And so yeah, maybe that maybe my perspective is skewed I, I mean i I think I've taken on relatively complicated rhythm patterns and grooves throughout my life, so to me, swing is like nothing
0: right, right, yeah, mm. but there's also that feel aspect too. I mean, yes, technically, you can swing if you know triplets or what have mm-hmm. you, but um, there's a certain something that people some people don't have and um and I'm not saying that I have it, but you can it's a feel thing yep. you can kind of feel when it's not happening. Even though technically they're playing the right thing, but it yeah. just doesn't feel like it's in that. Well, feel
1: and technical is sometimes and miles and miles apart, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. Some people
0: have it both, both of those things. Some people. Have I, one I, of them. I
1: know on the guitar that you can that you can technically play something supposedly correctly, like it's ac- academically correct. Yeah. But if you lack the right technique, then the feel will be off. Right. You know, I, yeah. and I think um, I think we. We put too much emphasis on things like genetics, and and we we make excuses like I don't have like natural groove or whatever people say. Yeah. It's, re- it's usually technique. It's usually technique, strategy, practice time. Right. You know, if you don't know how to strum a guitar properly, it's always going to sound awkward. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Do so. you think that ability is innate, or are people born with it, or can they learn it? I have no scientific answer for that, but I right. absolutely do not What's believe. Your gut feel, I then? do not believe in inherent talent. Right. I believe that it's all down to environment. Um, you know it's down to nurture, not nature um, I think it's a matter of time invested, not only time practicing but strategies and how you practice the people who influence you, mm-hmm. the way you think about it, you yeah. know your personality i think it's i think it's but it's i don't think it's there when you're born to me, that is completely ridiculous as a concept right. it, so nature doesn't come into it at all for you on a cycle I, I don't point. see how it would make any sense if if nature. Was the answer? Then it would make no sense that I would be any good at music because I yeah. come from a totally unmusical family. Um, but also on an evolutionary basis, why would evolution give us that skill? What skill? Music. Right. Why? Yeah. Why would? Why would? It, I mean, you can understand why there are there are other things that would benefit us. You know, but, to develop but you're talking a skill. about the um, music is one
0: thing, but the actual physical ability to play music is a different thing. You know, everyone has the same. Uh, for better or worse, the same physical makeup or what have you. Mm. But so, but if we're talking about nature, you, what about um, Nigerian runners? They, yes, you but know, running
1: and, and playing the bass is different. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. Oh, but, okay.
0: So you're talking about nature doesn't play a part in musical talent, <laughs> just musical talent. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: I think I think obviously we've got genetic influences on other levels, but yeah. um, the idea that someone can play. You know funk music because they're inherently genetically disposed i mean um uh, have a genetic disposition to that to mm. me is completely ridiculous yeah. it's it's like it's like saying that someone's genetically good at using social media like what what are you fucking talking about <laughs> <laughs> why would it, why would nature give you that skill yeah you know outrunning a lion i get that <laughs> <laughs> You know that makes sense, right? Yeah. So well,
0: that, that fast twitch muscle muscle fiber thing comes from lions <laughs> yeah. escaping lions. Is that what you're saying? I, I guess about, so. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe. But yeah. What about um, the sort of left brain versus right brain thing? Well, well what's the question? What well, do you That's a think that plays into? That- is that is that a real thing or is it just? I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> you don't. You don't know. I
1: assume it's real. I mean, isn't that a medical thing? I
0: mean, that's no. Not- in terms of okay, so they say that um, right-brained people um, are more um, creative, and uh, whereas left-brained people are
1: analytical and right. I don't. I, you know, I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, how could I know? I'm not obviously yeah. a scientist or anything. But um, what I, what I've um, experienced in my life is is that I. Started off one way, you know, as someone who was good at a few things and then not very good at lots of things. Mm-hmm. And I had made up my mind about my limitations when I was a kid. I decided that there were things that I would not be able to do um, because I came from some pretty negative situations and had some pretty discouraging so people So that's a me. nurture thing, not that's definitely nature. Oh, it's definitely a nurture, yeah. Right. I mean, people, people yeah. were, were very, very negative and very cynical towards me and I adopted a lot of those ideas. Right. Um, And then as my life played out, I was forced by necessity and and then in the end by curiosity to challenge those ideas. Mm -hmm. And I've proven to myself time and time again that um, they were just ideas. Right. Like, for example, the whole idea of running a business, if you asked me when I was about 17, I would have said there's no way I would ever be able to do that. Yeah. And I ended up having to do it because – of I, I needed to, <laughs> pure mm-hmm. necessity, mm-hmm. and then it turned out that I actually had a knack for it. Right. So I've I've proven those ideas wrong. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So I I I actually resist the idea that I have um, a particular strength or weakness in any area. I'd rather just find out. I'd rather just try stuff with it rather than decide that I can't do it before I try.
0: Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think? Um, you know, there are. It's been proven that there are sort of brain patterns or um. Just like idiot savants for yeah. instance they have this some have particular um abilities like um like maestro type abilities in some in particular areas and yet their social skills are completely you know non-existent right. but they could look at a um a landscape for a few seconds and then
1: go and draw it you know, yeah. detail down to details um minute detail I think that's like, where where these subjects get confused though because there there are lots of different variations of all of these things you know um, I don't actually so know what spectrum. yeah exactly I don't know mm. what the cause of um, a savant is I know that there are ideas about sh- the, the shape of a skull and, and where a brain is able to grow and you know s- some people have um, bigger cavities in the front of their head which means their brain can grow bigger in that area and that helps them in certain ways there's like really very, I, I believe that's a fact yeah okay um, and um, that is a very physical explanation yeah. uh, I think that's what I think that's something to do with communication skills or something and well, so okay. like if you look at um, mankind from millions of years ago we didn't have as bigger foreheads mm. and like the shape of a monkey's head is of course a lot that kind of leans back doesn't have the the front cranium but Right, the and, frontal um, lobe area. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think, I'm trying, I hope this is true. There's probably people listening to this going, "What the fuck is he talking about?" But, <laughs> but definitely, but, but, I, but I think, uh, yeah, but I think, um, I think as the skull changed shape for some reason, we were able to, our brains grew into that area more, and we were able to to do more with it, and advance right. those areas. I think okay. that's true. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a very physical explanation. The same way that some people are physically um a, more inclined to be good opera singers because they have the right shaped throat and mm. and and you know lung power and it's a very physical thing. So then you are talking about n- But that's physical. Na- that's physical. That's you're th- talking about nature then, though, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But that's physical. That that's totally understandable. Like if someone's got um you know really really long fingers, for example, they yeah. they might be very good classical guitarists, but they might be hopeless when it comes to playing like stone songs, you know, because you know they obviously right There's, but they could learn though they could learn yeah. yeah they just might find it a bit harder to do some things and other things like jimmy hendrix had really really big hands yeah. and he would he would put his thumb over the top and play the bass note and then solo with his fingers on the other side of the right. neck yeah. um and there are certain hendrix songs that i can't really play very well because i just simply can't reach right physically you can't yeah so as much i mean i could practice and problem solve and, and that sort of stuff which i do yeah. but um at the end of the day, I just don't have fingers as long as he did. <laughs> and that's just a physical thing. But yeah. I, I, I really strongly don't believe that someone has rhythm and someone else doesn't have, have rhythm.
0: Have you ever been um, like in the middle of rehearsing or, or re- just playing a song or playing music just for the hell of it and then had a breakthrough, like a, a sort of coming through the clouds moment? Where Definitely. suddenly clarity, you go, oh... That you know i've actually can sense that I've learned something new or definitely, I've, yeah,
1: yeah, I find that that happens um semi regularly right, you know, maybe a couple times a year cool there seems and then that'll often have a tail that you know everything will be everything will feel really good for a while you know you sort yeah. of feel like you're killing for a while uh-huh. and then you go the other way you feel like ah, i fucking suck you know everything yeah. i play sounds like shit and, right. <laughs> and you feel right. you, know, you start to get bored with your own ideas and yeah. you try some stuff and it doesn't really work and yeah and you yeah. Go, th- go into that slump and then you suddenly have a breakthrough again it's like oh my god i just thought of something i can do this and change that note or right. take a new rhythmical approach or something and yeah. then everything's good again you know yeah this is why we're either. all mental
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely those up and down moments where where you, mm. yeah, everything you do is just gold. Yeah, well, yeah. at least you feel that way. Yeah, um, and this is when you're in sober kind of mind. I'm not talking about uh, <laughs> those moments where you, uh, yeah, not you
1: specifically. I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's like what are you saying? <laughs> so last time we ended your story, yeah, just purely because we ran out of time. We ended mm. at the beginning of Op Shop right so that
0: would have been yeah when i was in my late 20s right
1: yeah and so you'd put the band together i think we talked about you came up with the name for op shop um and yep. and how that happened yeah uh, and then you were i'm guessing at that around the same time you were recording your first album um i think we'd already started at that right. point yeah yep. um
0: we were called uh, gst yes that's right before we changed the name and i think we were either well underway in terms of um you know, record company support mm-hmm. and maybe even had a first demos ready to be recorded as singles. Yeah. yeah. I I think. Yeah, and then we did one the, the first single came out separate uh as a as a standalone release. Yep. And that came out under, under the name of Opshop. So right. yeah. That's I believe that's how it worked. And that would have been two thousand and Two thousand and one I think that was released. And
1: when were you first aware of the fact that it was blowing up? You know, like that it was going somewhere. That the public I guess the public were engaging or at least the radio radio industry had picked up on it or whatever happened.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't I don't even know if there was a moment like that on the first record anyway. I think it was you know, I think that first record sold 15,000, which was platinum yeah, um, at the time, which was no mean feat. I mean, coming that was probably 2004, I think it was probably around 2003, 2004 that the album was out, that first one.
1: Says, um, Sting tells a story about when the police were first starting and the, and the moment that he knew it was, it, it was going to work was when he was staying in a hotel and he was a window cleaner outside whistling Roxanne. Right. And it was okay. the first time the song in his experience the song had sort of existed outside his own yes. you know, his own yeah. life. I think uh yeah, you do have
0: definitely start to have those moments. Mm. I think for me they're scattered throughout when yep. you start hearing people singing the song back to you yep. like at a big day out or um you get a reaction. I th- um I wonder whether for us it was a it was a real hard slog for that first album mm. um getting traction.
1: For some of those songs and, um, and and am I right in saying That the, that first album It started to take off Sort of around the time Your second album Was already in the works Which is why a lot of people Mix the two albums up Yeah So pe- a lot of people think That our first album When we say that We were talking about The
0: one with One Day on it And yeah, maybe Yeah But um, it actually Had other songs It was it was called You Are Here And it had Nothing Can Wait Right uh, No Ordinary Thing So No Ordinary Thing Was probably that, that moment That you're talking about I think mm. But it wasn't a one Kind of sudden thing it was kind of a build-up right um we were in the throes of writing i think another uh, another album or getting some ideas together yeah and uh i think it was the tv show outrageous fortune fortune picked up on no ordinary thing oh Um, they sort of your break then in a way in a way i think because it was a it was linked to a really pivotal kind of emotional scene yeah that gets remembered in that show i suppose Mm. and then that it got started getting some really good radio play and i think that people started to hear the name of op shop more yeah but um really i think the moment for us was you know like proper mainstream saturation if you like would have been the new zealand post ad oh for right one day oh, forgot so about that, that was number that was the second album yeah. at that point uh maybe did really well before before one day was released it was in that sort of rock yeah um you know on the rock network and mm-hmm. um and we'd al- already done a lot of tours um we we toured quite extensively with the feelers yep um as a support act and and we started doing a, quite a few shows around for other su- larger um supports um i think maroon five was we played with them oh at, cool um at where was it the saint james that they, they would have been a good live band right yeah, they they were a good live band but um that was a ki- we I have to say we had a killer set yep. and then uh, from that point people started to you know because that was quite a large audience mm. I guess one of the larger ones we played to at that point uh and then it kind of built from there yep. we did the big day out we were early on the main stage of the big day out so we started getting out there in the public um arena more people started to know the name but once the New Zealand Post ad came out and then we played um Coca Cola Christmas in the Park, actually, yeah, and it was televised on tele- on TV, and then the name Op Shop got associated with the the song one day in right. the in the public eye. It
1: was pretty much from that point on that thing started to go. Yeah, so there must have been a, a, yeah that kind of upswell.
0: We were getting a lot of um i, I and at the time I was working in music retail, running a distribution center for yeah. one of the music chains, um, and so I did have a lot of dealings with other of our stores throughout the country, you know, there were 30 or 40 odd stores and you'd start to hear back from other musicians who either worked in the music retail or what have you about either the reception of the albums that were going through, you know, I think at that point we had had um, the one album out and we're in the process of releasing the second one. Mm. But there wasn't, you do get moments from other musicians where um, there was one guy who was a singer in a band who worked for one of our stores and he said, oh, um, my uh the drummer in our band uh did this thing we were writing songwriting the other night and he did this thing and i went hey that's the fill from the op shop song and uh, you've just stolen it from him and he goes yeah but it's a good fill it's a good drum fill i'm gonna take it (laughs) right thing and and to me that was that was endearing and i was like oh wow that's really cool you're you're making an impact at least within musical circles."
1: so I, i guess that means that there was a period where there was a lot of um and this often happens with with um artists and bands as they blow up is that there's a kind of a honeymoon period where everyone's on good terms with 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 you yeah i don't mean internally i mean you know the the public's on good terms with the band and the you're sort of the media um the positive thing for you know what i mean like everyone's into it and then and then often the tide turns and suddenly you start to get a lot more criticism and you know uh, the critics will turn on you but also general i don't think the
0: critics never liked us oh didn't they no we were never um, oh that, that, that's not entirely true I think you know the, the album received a few sort of five star things but yeah uh, within the general music industry thing we were s- still seen as a little bit mainstream right which is kind of weird because the mainstream music um, is what fuels the industry you yeah.
1: know, for better or worse well and that's just, kind of where I was going with that yeah is that is that I know that you guys have copped it a bit for being, you know, I, I guess of a pop sound or a mainstream sound, yeah, which has always been. Like ridiculous, but that's a very New Zealand thing. I notice. I Is think that, so. We, we yeah. I mean, we go on about the Dunedin thing, as you know, for example, we love yeah. that kind of the idea of the lo fi do it yourself and, kind do of do it yourself in, yeah. and the underground. We love the underground, the underdog, yeah. even though we established this year on I can't remember which episode, but one of the someone was telling us about how a lot of that supposed underground Dunedin sound was actually recorded in real studios in Auckland, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. but um, it, we deep we seem to have that very cynical almost tall poppy thing of going well that song's written too well you know or that's yeah. too catchy that's bullshit yeah, yeah, let's listen yeah. to this thing that that's sucks Too sellout. that's cool you know? yeah
0: and I think um, for that uh, was it would have been the second record you know the music awards came around mm. and, um, and it's not a bitter thing or anything like that we didn't get any of the awards that were chosen oh, right. by the industry as such but we did get the People's Choice Award mm. and literally going up to receive the award we were getting booed by people you know like the people's choice awards winners and at that moment it was one of those great moments where you go shit we actually won something right but we were getting hassled heckled by the audience who at that time were only music industry people were invited at that point yeah yeah so there was a faction in the music industry that fucking hated us and probably still do
1: and that and yeah and that's always been a part of our music industry this very cynical kind of cool kid you know alternative sort of View.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's I, I know
0: exactly what you mean, and it's yeah. it's hard to pinpoint. But there is almost that like there. There's the cool kids kind of thing, and then mm. there's the you, you are the guys who are the
1: um, mainstream sellout pop right people. And I, and I think why I don't like it is because it doesn't make any sense. You know, like the the idea that something that's commercial is automatically flawed is ridiculous. Because yeah. if you ad- if you adopt that idea, you have to write off the Beatles, <laughs> you have to write off the Stones, yeah. you have to write off all these incredible. Oh, artists, but there's a know? lot of there's a lot of years between when the Beatles a bit at the
0: time the Beatles you know they were the newest thing on the block. Yeah, but what there's been forty or fifty years, you can look back on that with nostalgia and go. Well, sure. Of course, they started the whole thing. And maybe in twenty or thirty years' time, people might go. We might get a um, a hall of fame resurgence. Um, <laughs> yeah, thing, right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you never probably. Well, who knows?
1: But well, I mean, remember also the year that Haley Westerner sold something like four million units of her album in Europe, and she didn't even get a mention at the New Zealand Music Awards. There you go. You, know? you know, I mean, maybe that's a perfect example of this thing we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, she she wasn't cool, in in that sense. Yeah. So she was ignored in the New Zealand. Music Awards. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, if you ever wonder why I don't watch the fucking awards, that's why. It's stupid, pointless, contrived. And I've stopped and going to them, um,
0: yeah. mainly because I'm too lazy to. But um, mm. and there's no real reason to be there. Uh, but, but also, um, you would go, and it's basically just the whole industry sitting at their little tables, talking to each other, catching up. Mm. And there would be there was one award ceremony where Neil Finn just stopped everyone and said, "Look, shut up." <laughs> We're here to celebrate the musicians, and you guys are all sitting around the tables, yeah catching up with each other um the
1: industry people you know well, the- most of the, i mean i i you know in recent awards, and i don't think musicians are there. Like the yeah, ones that yeah. just happened, that seemed to be like the the Real Housewives of Auckland or whatever those people are called. You know, right. th- those okay. sorts of people showed up, and I didn't even know the awards were happening. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And all the musicians that I know were playing gigs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. you
0: know, so. it's, it's just a
1: rub, load of rubbish. Anyway, what a seems, what a tangent yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um. So so we weren't very well liked, and even the uh, so the then the, the next year, the following year, we won four awards. But again, right. they were awards that couldn't be denied us. They weren't voted on. Right, it was the um, single of the year. You know because we had the most radio play or whatever highest selling album of that year you mean they couldn't um, be denied because they were actual numbers they were numbers yeah. based they yeah. weren't based right. on um, votes from the music industry Yeah. so there were four awards single of the year album of the year um, highest volume of sales and mm. um, highest uh, or most radio play or something for a yeah. song yeah. so there were four awards and that I guess I mean, it seems a little bit cynical for me but they just because it was the first time that a band had ever won, one band and won those four awards. Right, they gave them to us all at once. Okay, and it wasn't like a um, and the single of the year goes to da, da da, and then they have a few more awards and the da, da goes Oh, to I da, see. Da, da. So you only walked up once. Yep, and they said, "Here's all your, Here's awards, all your awards. Fuck off." <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> well, I, that's what it seemed like. Uh, it, <laughs> right, it was made a big deal of at the time that it was, um you know, the, the, yeah, this has never happened before. So we thought we'd give them to them all at once. I see kind of thing and it seemed a little bit cynical at the time yeah but um but anyway I mean it is what it is yeah Yeah. so to answer your question yes we did get turned on um a little bit but I have to say we have had yeah we've had some good support out there as well yeah I couldn't say that that it's all been it had all been bad for us right yeah great support from New Zealand On Air and um you know the New Zealand Music Commission and Mm. people like that um
1: and the New Zealand audience has always had their own ideas. You know, that's what I've always noticed is that yeah. often the industry thinks it knows what it's doing. Yeah. And and especially these days, I, I get a bit tired actually of hearing all the supposed experts um, spinning out all their... Their supposed ideas about how you're supposed to do it, which was never really a thing in the past. You know, people just made music and Mm. tried to promote stuff, and they took punts on stuff. Now we've got all these supposed experts on panels, making decisions and giving speeches and And writing blog podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And um, and most of them, not including us, of course, but most of them just seem to be completely full of shit. Like we were talking at a thing. You and I were talking at a thing. Um, mid last year sometime yeah. and one of the other uh, guests were from a pretty significant company um, they were telling the kids in front of them how it worked and I had been through exactly what they were talking about and it was wrong right <laughs> it was just black and white wrong right and I wanted to interrupt and say what are you talking about <laughs> you know but this was someone who is influential within our industry and yet has never ever been a musician or had to do it firsthand yeah and so it's, to them it's all theory to right. us actually trying to make a career happen yeah it's it's In a practice it's a very yeah it's a totally yeah. different ball game
0: yeah uh, i I mean, there are always those. There are great people in this industry, um, mm. and there have been people who have been in here for a long, long time. Mm. But you, you're right; they just they have a passion and a love for music and and the entertainment business, I suppose. But they've right. never never tried to do it for a living. But then again, there yeah. are those people who who are, you know, who ha, who do have a lot of musical experience who yeah. are in those positions of uh, influence as well
1: it's time for disruption isn't it because i mean as we've talked about millions of times the um industry of course has changed completely and we're having to kind of reinvent our jobs in the the industry and so it's it's there's never been a better time for us to ask questions maybe shove a few people out of the way maybe bypass a few things yeah you know that could you know
0: change yeah and,
1: and and also the um the disruption i think needs to come from each individual out there um it's important to think for yourself problem solve to to adopt an entrepreneurial mentality Mm. um we have an industry that has an uh, a a way of doing things that Mm. has worked for some people and not worked for other people and now it's all changed anyway and yet we still have these supposed experts telling everyone how how it is and how it works Mm. which to me is ridiculous it's completely ridiculous to tell someone who's entering the industry how their career is going to work yeah it's up to them to make their career work yeah and most of these experts have no proven track record so it's totally redundant information yeah um and i if i had adopted that mentality i wouldn't be here like i mean in this career mm. because my attitude was problem solving you know I, these are my goals this is my reality how am i going to get there yeah, I don't give a fuck what you know these other people say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, when
0: when you left high school because mm. we got to I think to your high school years or the Rockquest years at your high school, right? Uh, in your um, career, mm. where did you? When did you suddenly go? Okay, this is what? I... Or how did you discover this is what I need to do to be
1: able to go and make a career of it? Um, was it all sort of trial and error, or kind of? Yeah, it was. It was spread over a few years. Yeah, um, my. My first thing was changing my circumstances. My my um first thing was to leave school as soon as I could and um, to leave home, to leave the area yeah. um to to get away from, from various things. So I dropped out of school and I wrote to every recording studio in the country <laughs> oh in, in um Auckland I mean mm. um to try and get a job and I got an internship in a small studio. So I went and started working there and what um, did you have a qualification or just nope. nope just tried my luck cool my whole idea like I say was to get the fuck away from where I was and yeah. um and I wanted to get into the industry somehow like I just were wanted to were you playing in
0: bands at the time
1: yeah, yeah yeah I've been playing live since I was 12 right um so I was fully you know um prolifically gigging and everything and, and, mm. and by the time I was 16 I was playing session um, gigs with other bands playing drums and bass and guitar and I was also writing songs and doing my own bands and so on so I was I was busy uh, but I I felt that if I worked in a studio I'd get close to artists and producers and you know I'd be surrounded by st- the right things or people or whatever yeah so I went and worked in the studio and then for a while um, I, and then I just realized after a while that it wasn't really my passion I didn't really enjoy being the kid in a studio. Right. Um and so I I left and they also relocated as well. So I, I sort of had to leave anyway, but right. um after that I just went and got jobs and spent the next few years trying to start bands and you know working you know low paying jobs and any yeah. job I can get and struggling to pay the rent and that whole deal. the yeah. Very very common story. Yeah. If <laughs> not the most common story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and I really didn't know um, what I was doing or where I was going. And I, I, I looking back, I can see that I had this constant underlying feeling of, I don't know if I'm gonna, you know, if it's going to work. I don't know what I'm going to become. Mm. I don't really have a backup plan because I don't can't imagine anything else that would make me happy. You know, right. um, but then I hadn't. You don't deserve to be happy, Danny. <laughs> That's right. You're supposed to hate what you do for a living. <laughs> That's and, right. <laughs> um, and then people would ask me what my goals were, and I had this one particular girlfriend who was who was quite a bit older than me, and she was from the much more from the business world, and she'd say, "What's your goal? And what's your plan? What's your strategy? You know, <laughs> what's your business plan?" and I would go I don't know <laughs> I just I want my music to be out there <laughs> you right. know yeah. what's your goal then I don't know I don't know record deal I'm not sure you know and um, and it was just the same typical answers you know yeah. and I hadn't really got my thoughts together which now I think is is quite interesting because I think um, musicians coming in still have the same lack of clarity yeah. <laughs> and, and they still default to the same weird answers like oh, I want a record deal I think I think that makes me famous and rich doesn't it yeah. you know yeah that's an aspiration not a plan yeah exactly and i couldn't answer her and that really annoyed me um she was totally right to ask me that yeah um but it just annoyed me because i couldn't give a sensible answer answer. yeah Mm. uh and anyway so i worked all these different jobs and um i didn't really enjoy many of them but i i without realizing it was picking up all these different skills i could work for a bank for a while and i worked in retail and the sales i did administration i unloaded warehouses and i mean i worked in warehouses unloaded containers and drove forklifts and yeah. kind of did a bit of everything right and didn't realize until years later that i was really doing myself a favor because i i learned how to be a sales guy yeah. i learned how to organize myself and do admin you uh-huh. know i i learned um the the respect and the ethics that you learn working with other guys and overalls you know mm-hmm. there's a certain yeah. kind of work ethic there yeah um and I was picking up all these skills. And then basically, um, I was trying to solve the puzzle. How do you go full time in music? That was constantly what I was trying to work out. How do you give up your day job? Yeah. How yeah. do you make that transition? How do you go from a stable income to no income? How do you even make enough money at all in music? Especially yeah. in a small country. Especially when original music doesn't earn much, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to work with some really big... Um, artists from overseas and i was also fortunate enough to work with some really clever local artists how as well. did you get those gigs with the with any of those artists overseas um, well, or otherwise well i mean i was always very proactive um with my music with my original music yeah and i was doing a lot of leg work for um one particular promoter so i was doing like tour management and driving vans and and um and artists managed like road management sort of stuff and yep. and um, just like a lot of that work is quite shitty but you end up on the road with some interesting people you mm. know like I toured for example with Nora Jones as um, artist assistant just as she was kind of on the way up you know right um, and the first couple of times I toured with Tommy Emmanuel, I was basically his driver and his assistant and the, and the tour manager right. so I mean I eventually ended up being his support artist a couple of times as well but in, in those early tours um, we were having long conversations in the van, yeah. and, I, and I just remember thinking, "This is incredible." I'm, That's your classroom. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just me and Tommy and a couple other like industry heavyweights yeah. in a van for six hours That's talking. Invaluable, shit Valuable, man. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I was like, "This is a sponge moment," you know. Yeah. Take as much in as you can. Yeah, yeah. So I just tried to. Uh, to me, it was like a problem. I was constantly working on how do I get this thing to function, and um, uh, when I was. In my mid twenties, um, I I actually lost my job, and I was uh, uh, just for a second there I was thinking I don't know what I'm gonna do next. I have to go find yet another shitty job. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I just do it. You know, maybe I just maybe I just set myself up and and start a company. If if I don't do it now, there's probably never going to be a better time. Yeah. Uh, I'm now you know, quite young. I don't have any real responsibilities. Um, I don't really have any responsibilities now, but, <laughs> 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 but I didn't then either. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And I just gave it a shot basically. And so then I thought, well, um, I think what I'm doing now is I think I'm setting up a business. You know, I, I I don't think I'm trying to be a rock star right now. I think I'm setting up a company. Yeah. Now, how does a company become successful? And, that was when I started to to look more at what business people were talking about and entrepreneurs were talking about and that sort of thing. Mm. Things like um having multiple streams of income seemed yep. like a really sensible idea, managing expenses, uh you know, developing a database and and you know developing relationships with that database and so yep. on. And um I actually went on a, a couple of part-time courses and stuff to try and sort of boost that. Um, and I set my company up, and I got the company to break even after 14 months, and have basically been working ever since. Right, and it's now been coming up 12 years.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you know, your product is your music, and
0: you're um, you just happen to put these other business kind of um, strategies on top of that. Yeah, I
1: remember. Um, I remember this this singer that I he's maybe about five or six years older than me, and he's a really amazing singer. i just a local guy. Yeah. And he went full time a little bit before me, and I and I said I have to come over and and have a coffee with you and find out how you've done it. So I did, and he basically said, well, what I do is I do these gigs over here, and I work with I do session work here, and I do my original music there, and I I play weddings, and I do functions, and I yep. play at these bars, and he kind of explained like across the board, he did all these different things, uh-huh. and that made his career happen. And because he was not tied down to a forty-hour week, he had all this extra time that he could develop everything more and yeah and this model just clicked with me it made perfect sense to me yeah and that's okay. what I basically stole it from him yeah right. okay. <laughs> yeah and within that you made you recorded and released your own albums okay. well that was the funny thing i went from being constantly broke like ever since i'd left school i'd always been broke yeah um i mean you know i, I also didn't have um like daddy's money to fall back on and things like that um so i i was Barely keeping up, keeping up with bills and the rent the whole time. Started my company, and all of a sudden I seemed to be financially free. Right, okay. Yeah, I was able to work hard and get the money for my efforts. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. And you know I was able to write off a lot of my expenses as because they were now business expenses. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I was now doing better financially, and I had more time. Yeah. And making an album was part of my business plan right okay. you know that mean, I was able to actually finance the album from all the various work I was doing and I broke even on the first album after 10 months which was uh, I was very proud of mm-hmm. um, especially when you hear how many or how few albums out there actually ever break, break even, their money back yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, wow mm. like they're, none <laughs> yeah well they're
0: destined never to break even <laughs> yeah for for other reasons but yeah 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 exactly
1: that Carl Steven um, painted for us but well there's that us. yeah um yeah, there's there's lots of factors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I spent a good whack of money. I spent a lot of money on on the first album. Made it back. Really proud of that. Um, but it was like part of my my existence. Now it's part of my job. Yep. you know,
0: and you didn't have a record company as such. You were no. promoting it yourself and selling them yourself.
1: Yep. I did all the prom- promotion myself. I got a distributor, uh, a company in Nelson actually called Elite Music, who oh, I, yeah. I believe um, are no longer. But do you know that? Uh, I did some
0: work with Elite. Yeah, we yeah. got some some stuff into the warehouse. Oh yeah, to the music warehouse from them.
1: Yeah, and
0: you know, small
1: numbers, but we still mm-hmm. did a bit of turnover. So they distributed the album, and I um, just really hustled. Like I, I, I just made lists of people to get in touch with and I just tried my luck at everything and I was able to get us on various stations and tv shows and things like that and the the, the funny thing though was that the money that I made the the bulk of the money I made from that album didn't come from album sales it came from other deals right <laughs> from okay. from licensing music and things like that yeah um, and the album has continued to make money it's now significantly in profit right um, okay. and, and continues to just took over yeah just a bit of passive income every now and then just come come in Uh, so then I was able to continue that into the next album which is about two years later Um, and that year was quite a big year we we did a number of massive support shows and we signed a small record deal and we got more significant radio play and things like that and been a bit of cute and did you
0: feel like um i mean you'd asked me the question earlier where where you felt like people had turned on us at some point or yeah. asked whether that had happened had that happened to you or have you yeah
1: yeah yeah i definitely experienced the frustration of um, people making very fast decisions without really giving you a chance you right know, i thought that was very frustrating I, you know you go to some radio stations They say it's not catchy enough And you go to the next radio station They say it's too catchy And you go <laughs> What do you what? And yeah. uh, the, the, the thing that The thing that annoyed me a lot that year Was um, We did support shows for Jeff Beck And then Eric Clapton And Simply because of that I I got this reputation as being a blues guitarist Yeah, And I'm not a blues guitarist On any level uh-huh. But people just connected me with that and blues guitaring or, you know, or that kind of scene is not very popular in New Zealand. <laughs> so right, people, people yeah. would make the assumption about me and then write me off. And they hadn't even listened <laughs> to me yet, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Okay. And I was like, I, like I supported Eric Clapton. It doesn't mean I am Eric Clapton. Yeah, but <laughs> but he, you know, he does. He plays popular music. It's not just blues. Well, of course, yeah. He's far more than just a blues guitarist. Yeah, but yeah. but it's just the kind of mentality some people have. We actually got a right. review for the second album um, by one person that baffled me for a while, where they they referred to us as having um, our sound being swing rock. And I, what the fuck I, is that? That's what I said. <laughs> I read the article and the band were with me at the time and I, and I think I said, what the fuck is swing rock? <laughs> and um, and I, I just couldn't understand. Have if you figured I, it out yet? F- yeah, I figured it out a little bit after that. Um, the first song on that album was a song called One People and initially it'd start off being um, a reggae song. We had written this kind oh, of yeah. reggae tune. So it had that kind of reggae swing to it. Mm-hmm. But then as we developed it, we got rid of the obvious reggae characteristics and we replaced it with a, a a kind of a heavier guitar riff a fuller guitar riff rather than the typical reggae skanks right. or thing, and um and we had just followed our nose creatively yeah and made the song that technically was swing and was technically rock but we had never thought of it as swing rock <laughs> and then i realized yeah. the person who reviewed the album never listened to anything more than the first song uh, okay. and the rest of the album was i don't think there's Anything else on the rest of the album that swing? Oh, there might be one more song that has a swing to it—a ballad. But, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's but just... even
0: the, ter- the term "swing" is not necessarily what we're describing here either. Like, yeah. it's not a big swing band like um, no um, Tommy Dorsey or anything like that. <laughs> right. You're talking about the fact that the it's not a straight ahead
1: rock feel, or it, I guess it's so. Swings a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. And I and it was just frustrating because I thought if I'm going to fail at this, at least give me a chance to to you know do what i do and then fail yeah but not everyone in this industry gets the same chance not, yeah. you know not everyone gets the same exposure and not everyone gets the same level of um effort made to understand what they're trying to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: like with a running race everyone starts at the start and they get to the end you know mm-hmm. someone gets there first they're the winner yeah we get artists who do very well and we go oh my god isn't that amazing they did so well Mm. And yet there was never a fair race anywhere. Yeah. And it would be very hard to have a fair race. Yeah.
0: I guess, it, you know. but it also, it speaks a little bit to what you were saying before. Those those people who are making the, decision, the decisions and the strategizing within yep. those roles or whatever, who don't seem to know what they're talking about sometimes <laughs> or doing, mm. it, it really does seem like a bit of a crapshoot. You know, and there's uh, yeah. a lot of luck involved. Yeah, that's um, right. And yeah. I always
1: found that the audiences were. This is, I think, I said something like to this effect before: is that the audiences are often quite disconnected from the music industry. Um, we yeah. we always had great responses live, um, and mm-hmm. and I, I've always found the audiences in New Zealand to be fantastic. You know, they're yeah. just, they're just, um, they just they just they can be tough. Uh, New Zealand audiences. Yeah, they don't jump up and down immediately like certain other countries uh, are more enthusiastic faster. Mm. Um, but I find that audiences here are really really good and um, I guess in a, in some ways it's finding that tipping point with them too like I mean if you're
0: playing a lot of shows regularly touring with audiences you're getting a great response right? then tell them at the show I mean uh, it, it might seem a little bit like you're begging for support but you're saying you know ring your radio station and ask them to play our song and that's something the you want to yeah. hear our song and ma- and I don't know whether did you guys do that sort of thing? Um, we didn't have to mate <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I'm not sure. No, probably not. Uh, I mean, we we definitely well, we had we had people to do that for us, right? You know, we're, and, and it certainly did happen where if we were about to go out on tour, yes, the record company would ring the radio stations and say, "Hey, look, this band is going on tour. They're touring with yeah. Silverchair or or whoever, or the Feelers or whatever. Mm. They're going on a summer tour." Um, over this time, the single that we've got released is this. Do you and you could push it more. Yeah. Your radio station is the station behind promoting the tour. Mm. Um, it makes sense that and they go, okay, cool, yeah, we'll do that. So we did have people to ring the radio station sure. for us and go, here's an opportunity for you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, as much as it which is quite good. a
1: different scenario. You know, I mean, I I had um, you know various distributors and a relationship with the record company and things like that over the years. But yeah. most of the most of the time, I was running my own. Yeah. Thing. So were they working yeah. for you on your behalf? Not were really. And, and, and you know, the you. the one album I did with the record company is the album that performed the worst financially. You know, for, right. for obvious reasons, I think. But, um, but you know, the thing about getting a record deal of, it's only really great, um, if you happen to be the high agenda artist on their roster. Yeah. But if you just want more of the artists, they just tend to throw you through the machine, and they don't really work too hard on it. Yeah, and I, that's the thing that really stood out to me at the time is that on the first album, I had, I had just worked so hard to make that happen, mm-hmm. and got it so, sort of somewhere, but not like hugely successful but enough yeah. that it made money financially and it set me up in my career mm. which is I guess a good result mm. um, but on the second album it was kind of like they would just go oh yeah we'll put it out see what happens mm. it was just very very casual yeah. and I, and I, but the thing is is that I was now no longer able to work on it because the contract res- restricted me from doing stuff myself yeah so i was sort of sitting at home watching my album just disappear into oblivion right um do you think because you weren't
0: funded by new zealand on air at all no do you think that that some of those funding models um it it, it behooves the industry people who are who have an interest in that to then get behind an album that's been funded by new zealand on air to go well um this is this is part of that in a sanctum, yeah. if you like, of the music industry, they're, they're getting funding. There is obviously something there. The record companies are supporting them. They've got good audiences turning up to shows, mm. and it's sort of like a, it feeds itself and it kind of builds that momentum and that hype,
1: if you like. It's a very difficult subject, and i've I've been trying to find a way of talking about that, the funding subject, for quite some time, but it's hard to talk about because there are so many agendas and everyone's got their own kind of position on it. You know, you talk to yeah. someone who's been funded and their attitude is different to someone who hasn't been funded. Um, if you talk about people who are in certain areas of the music industry and they happen to be sometimes on the panel that makes the decisions or they're, mm. you know, there are, they're are the, the funding I think is not only, it's, it's actually more important for the follow-on in the industry than the artists themselves because most of the artists just pass the money on. The funding, I think, is really in place to keep Roundhead open, you know, to keep some of the (laughs) studios open, to keep some of the producers hired. But it just means that it's very difficult to have an objective conversation about it because one of our... I think it's a really poor attitude in this country, but one of the things that we do is someone's trying to talk about something like that. We tend to criticise them personally and undermine their credibility in the conversation rather than engage in the conversation themselves. So if I make critical comments about funding, one of the typical answers will be, oh, well, you're just bitter because you didn't didn't get get funding. It's like, well, whether I am or I'm not bitter, that doesn't change whether what I'm saying is valid or worth conversation.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And so that's why I find it quite a difficult issue to to broach. But Mm. I do think that that funding does corrupt the process. I, I think it's very little. It's got very little to do. We with should what say the, that it has
0: changed though, since both you and I, when since you were probably applying for it, but since not necessarily for the I, better. Now, I mean, right, now, now the concern about it. I worse? mean,
1: Facebook friends you have. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's got. Oh, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. music was always something that just whether it worked or it didn't work, it was always a mystery. You know, yeah. the, the you know Bob Dylan had a thing about him that was undefinable whereas the number of other people from that same time who didn't become bob dylan yeah probably had sort of you know things about them that were were amazing but they just didn't quite have you know what i mean it just didn't quite click the way it did with him yeah um and that's something that a panel isn't going to understand that's something that a audience is going to understand whether whether they whether they are made to feel something, but it's chicken and the egg, isn't it? Because that panel's there d-
0: designed to be a funnel to put that stuff in front of an audience, you know. And there's sort mm. of certain criteria that, like you say, they're expert or the experts say that this could
1: work if all of these things were achieved, all of these boxes were ticked. This well, is a, and they've got this... no track record to prove that that's true. they've got no accountability because they never check they never seem to follow up on where the the, um, spending goes they never find out they never seem to check whether the album made money back I would understand the funding system more if it was more of a loan system where you return the money to New Zealand on air yeah I think Um, that is the case I don't believe that's true did you return your money? you're supposed to (laughs) there there is a a certain amount of um, right I think it could be a more positive system if it was handled properly but I don't think it's handled properly right um and it's really frustrating knowing that you're good at what you do and yet being up against this ridiculous system but I mean there are other people out there feeling that same way of course there are yeah, yeah. and I, and i and i my only interest really in um ever talking about it is sort of on their behalf mm. you know i I've really got nothing to prove myself i I don't feel like I've failed and I don't feel like I've missed out. I've had to renegotiate my ideas of what success is for me oh. uh if I compare my situation now to what I thought I was going to do when I was much younger, then of course that would look like failure. Yeah. Um, but I renegotiated my relationship with success and now I realise that, look what I'm doing, it's good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, are you
0: any better or worse off than, than I am in my situation, music-wise? I've thought about
1: that before. That's really interesting that you asked me that. Yeah. Um, And I, I... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you have a couple of things that i don't have i i have to kind of work a bit harder to get to my pride <laughs> right <yeah. laughs> do you know what i mean like if i had a like a successful album in the charts then i would just go that's cool and it's easier i'm guessing tell me if i'm wrong but you know to yeah. be able to sort of just say that to yourself would i'm, I'm sure that feels good i have yeah, to kind sure, of, I'm, of I, I kind of have to kind of work through it a bit and say well i did this and i did that and i broke even and <laughs> but but you're <laughs> you
0: know. doing it full-time you're 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 a full-time musician i'm not
1: no, I mean you probably could be though, right? Um, well, you were.
0: No, I would have to do um, some things that I probably don't want to do. Sure, you know. Yeah. So yep. therefore, I couldn't do it. And hmm. and even when we were doing it full time, it wasn't, um, you know, making uh, wasn't paying the mortgage right all the time. No. You know? No, I don't know. I. I um, if I you're don't. talking about success in monetary terms, that is. But um, but you know, so many other things that we were. successful yeah and 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 of course we're proud and happy about that
1: and that's the thing and 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 also um just having the the reputation and the ability to say i'm so and so from so and so is (laughs) yeah
0: because i do that all the time (laughs) yeah that's right maybe (laughs) maybe
1: don't even use it but to me i like the idea of just immediately (laughs) being able to drop drop a name like i still have to to um to wrestle a little bit out and about where i still get some people who Treat me a bit shit and things like that because they don't know who I am. Right. I'm not saying that they, if they knew who I was, then they would treat me differently. But you know, yeah. What I notice is that some there are there are people out there who sit up a bit straighter when someone famous walks in, or right. someone who's got a bit of kudos. You know,
0: right. So it's like a hierarchical kind, kind of, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I don't generally buy into it, but I do get frustrated when I'm not treated right. Yeah, that pisses you know. me off too. Yeah. Um, I've I've had that before. I've
0: I've mm. been. Talking to people met in a you know in a bar after a gig or whatever, yeah, and just talking to someone having a great conversation with them, uh, as an example, mm. and then that person's friend will come along and say, you know, what are you doing? Um, who are you? Why are you talking to my friend? Kind of thing, yeah. And then they'll go, well, no, this is um, Bobby. He was in op shop. They just played, and then that person's whole demeanor changes. The right. other the other person, yeah, you know, as if oh you're something special, it's like, well, hang on a minute. A couple of seconds ago. You were suspicious of me, and yeah. and you were, you know treating me differently. That's right. And now because it's some sort of I don't know what the fuck's going on in their head. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden it's like oh how, so good to meet you and yeah and I, I don't have time for that that fucks me off. I have I'm the, still the same person
1: as that's right. I mean I know. have that experience with um, some of the points in my career you know some of the names that I've worked with and that sort of thing you know the same sort of thing will play out where you where you get that weird dynamic and then someone will go you know he worked with this person, mm. and and you'll see a visible change. And I and I've always just felt really weird about that. Yeah, you know, surely my work should speak for itself. Well, that's right. You but know. then it, does that not speak? Does that not
0: say that that person who has suddenly shown you, you a new respect because of some, they don't know what they're talking about in terms of your yeah. quality of your work or your songs or whatever?
1: That's they right. only go by the notoriety or whatever it brings. Yeah, um, they and can't I think, tell the difference. I think um, I. Might be misinformed with this, but I think I envy someone who has had a more conventional example of success, like a hit album or something right um, because it's and it's an' yeah, I- it's a tangible it's an, thing you can point to and and it's, and it's an idea that the public understand because yep. they 've watched those movies and they 've seen those documentaries they, you know, oh you yep. started a band, and the band got on the radio and you had a, a hit album you know that that we all understand what that means but i have <clears throat> the the success that i 've had in my career is 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 harder to define. Mm-hmm. because in many ways i've walked off the beaten track you know and i've set up a company and established myself as a full-time musician now if i say that to you you know that that's significant mm. but so many people out there don't realize that's significant
0: yeah. yeah yeah you know
1: just the simple fact that i've kept myself alive for 12 years without an actual job yeah um is, is um in in our industry is actually an achievement but it's not respected in terms yeah of... but people just don't get it yeah. and i and Probably what I'm doing a little bit is flinching to my own family and, oh. and like personal friends and things where where they they can be a little bit dismissive. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I just remembered something that one particular person said when I started working with you guys actually with yeah. with the um, show that we do. I think we're a few months in or something, and and I was at one particular um, place with some family, <laughs> and one person there said. Um, so how's the show going? How's this new show going? And I said, oh yeah, it's loads of fun. And, um, and he goes, oh, you're working with those guys, you know, the, you know, like two of the guys from op shop. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, um, it must be nice to work with pros. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, well, that statement <laughs> kind of suggests that I didn't used to work with pros. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and everyone kind of looked at them and went, yeah, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've worked with professionals all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. but his logic was because you guys were from people a famous are, band, you are I more know. professional than the people who are not from a famous band. Yeah. Yeah. Which we know is ridiculous, but, but yeah. that's, that's the sort of thing you're up against sometimes.
0: Yeah. And, but say, for instance, you go <laughs> anywhere outside New Zealand and you mention the name Op Shop, nobody knows. And actually people nowadays are forgetting what Op Shop has achieved or who
1: who the band was. Um, I mean, mean, in the new industry, what's coming out of that is people who are getting the job done, but just not in a way that's yet been established by pop culture. And so it's a very misunderstood role. I guess that's why we're doing the podcast, isn't it? To try and shine a light on that. I mean, I was thinking the other day about... Um, some of the musicians that we both know and I saw some of them posting on Facebook playing at weddings and playing at bars and things Mm. and I was thinking man those guys have played with some of the country's biggest artists Mm. and and they're quite happily just now playing at a bar and setting up for a wedding gig and I I was just thinking about all the people at the wedding who don't realise like that guy played on a Dave Dobbin record and that guy played on a Greg Johnson record and that guy worked with Neil Finn and Mm. you know and and they're sitting there playing 500 miles at a wedding yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, but not to mention all of those other people behind the scenes that make
0: the band's, um, you know, successful help in that, yeah, that story. The as well. Who nobody knows about. Right. They don't know. They're behind the scenes all the time. Yeah, like great, having a great crew with you. Yeah. Uh, even management to a degree. Mm. You know, if you've got good management uh, and, and people who are helping you um, be successful... They don't, it's a thankless job most of the time That's right. uh, for, for them other than um,
1: you know when the bands themselves the artists thank them I guess well maybe maybe here's a positive note to finish on because I um, I think you're right and I I think um, it's important for us to remember why we do what we do mm. and when I started playing music when I was 12 it was a very very organic and simple love affair with music yeah and so many times through the years when I've been in high pressure situations on big stages and intimidating situations or whatever, or when everything seems to be going wrong and I'm finding it difficult to find my clarity. Um, what I focus on is just my relationship with music. You yeah. know, My relationship with, you know, I'm a guitar player. So I, I often just look at the guitar neck and think it's just me and the guitar neck. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that relationship, forget all the contracts and industry and all the connections and dramas and all that shit. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's still the greatest thing to do in the world is to play music awesome yeah what a great way to look at it yeah and perhaps we'll have another attempt at finishing this conversation a year from now (laughs) (laughs) part three you reckon part three (laughs) I think it's been an interesting part
0: two though it's um, you know it's raw and it's real so true it's good true I think that's a that's a good thing I don't think um, you need to shy away from some of those things well
1: next next um, time we'll be talking to uh, how would you describe him Uh, uh, focused Very focused Yeah highly reputed International yep. session musician He knew where he was going From a very early age Yep And An incredible player Yeah definitely Yeah, yeah. Yep. So stay tuned And there's plenty more To come this year
0: Awesome Hey thanks for um, being here And listening in And we, we really appreciate The support Definitely So fire those Suggestions through And um, Questions yeah. as well
1: Maybe we should open up A like question thing Or you know People maybe uh, Entering the industry Maybe they've got maybe they've got questions they want to raise, and we can start to fire those questions to our guests and try not to ourselves. Yeah, really good point.
0: Yeah, cool, awesome. All right, well, here's to a great 2017. Cool.